Welcome to the Contraception Pod. I'm Maya and I'm the Catholic. I'm Cassidy and I'm the Protestant. At a gala at Trump Hotel, never meeting each other prior, Cassidy quietly came up to me in the bathroom and said, What are your thoughts on contraception? This question turned into a never-ending discussion that we decided to take on a podcast. So join us as we discuss contraception and how it affects our world. Hello, Contraception Pod listeners. Welcome. We are excited about our growing following. Maya has some fans on Twitter. And since today is a Q&A episode, we want to just jump straight in to one of our awesome fans and <laughs> hearing from them. She says, girl, how the blank are you going to be so stupid as blank? Shut the blank up. This is not how it happens. And by the way, if they actually made birth control easier to access and more affordable, we wouldn't be getting abortions. It's none of your business either way. It's followed by two kissy faces. So exactly. So much love. <laughs> so much love. So yeah. Hi, everyone. So just for some context, context, Cassidy and I a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, whenever this podcast comes out, it'll probably be like three weeks ago. But um we had if you're not up to date there's a whole what you what we what it's called justice for the five where there are three there were five baby bodies that were found that were found that have signs of these children being being killed after a failed abortion and so cassidy and i last week we were at the examiner's office with multiple with multiple people tons of people telling the examiners to give autopsies to these babies because they are refusing to do so and we are just asking for justice for these children who through what we can see have clearly been killed against the law outside of the womb. Of course, Cassidy and I both hold that they should not be killed in the womb, but the law right now should protect the children outside of the, that, that are born, you know, from failed abortions. And um, that's what the law is. And they should be, they should be protected. And yet they fail and are refusing to do autopsies despite many, 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 um, many refutations and um, pleads from people. And so, Cassidy and I were out there and I had a picture with one, with one of these children, a picture of them that I was holding on a poster, just showing this child who had been born through a, a, a born and killed in a live dismemberment. And I was holding this child and I posted this picture on Twitter and I got all, like Cassidy said, all these fans just like, (laughs) oh, you know, people telling me, oh, like, no, like that, that's not how it happens. And, and I'm like, um, yeah, that, I mean, like, this is an abortion. We're showing you what abortion looks like. I'm sorry, but this is terrible. So why don't we ban it if that's a problem? (laughs) Yeah. And, and so what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to be responding to some questions, some statements and some stories that y'all have sent in. And then also going through these Twitter comments, just kind of debunking them, talking about them, but just really, so that was what had happened in this picture. This girl told me that I was stupid for, in many other words, for holding a picture of this child saying, I don't understand what's going on. She made tons and tons of comments, basically saying that I was too young to understand. And I'm like, mm, and, <laughs> and all these other things and that birth control would solve abortion. And so we're going to be addressing that a lot in this episode today and talking about that, going through some questions. But yeah, I think maybe just jumping in, talking about this one. So Cassidy, what would what would your first response to this be? 
One thing is I'm so sad to hear her say that, you know, this girl is viewing an image of an abortion victim and many of us who are pro-life have seen images of abortion victims before, but these images that were released of these five children who were aborted at, is it Cesare, Cesar Sant'Angelo's abortion clinic, the Washington Surgery Clinic in Washington, DC. Yeah. These children were destroyed by abortion, thought to be between 26 and 32 weeks gestation, five different unique individuals. So you're viewing an image of this baby's broken body. The particular image Maya was holding was of a baby who was dismembered, like in the truer sense of the word, body parts separated. Um, just so awful. Imagine looking at a violent image and saying, if you just taken birth control or, if, or Maya, if you just go promote birth control, that is your job. Stop holding pictures of, of aborted children. That doesn't matter at all. You should be passing about birth control. One of my first responses is how could you overlook that child's suffering? How could you just give a dismissive answer, like go promote birth control? That's actually unrelated right now, because right now we're here just to grieve this child's, the loss of this child's life. Because regardless of, you know, the mother becoming pregnant and then probably that being in an unexpected situation, something that led her to have a late term abortion, maybe she had a, a difficult fetal anomaly diagnosis, who knows for sure, whatever it was, the baby, by the way, when physicians look at these babies' bodies, they don't see any obvious signs of anomaly. So it's not thought to be true that these children even had anomalies, which regardless, we don't kill people because they may be disabled, right? That's wrong. Um, and so, you know, to look at that child and say, like, I'm disregarding your suffering completely. And I'm going to just yell at Maya, tell her she's stupid, swear at her, and then tell her to promote contraception. You know, that's so sad. That is so dismissive of what these children have faced. And, you know, Maya and I are both calling on the authorities in Washington, D.C. to stop being ignorant of these children's suffering, because what has been revealed to our leaders, um, pointing to that out to them that these bodies, these children have possible indication of being born alive after an abortion, which there's a federal ruling called the Born Alive Infant Protection Act that they must, abortionists must follow. If the baby is breathing, they're alive, their heart is beating after an abortion, they need to give them health care. There is very possible that some of these five children were born alive after the abortion or that they were aborted in an illegal way through a late-term abortion, um, which late-term yeah. abortion itself is not illegal, but it's the partial birth abortion. So so one of the babies has an incision on her head and it's pretty clear that her brain was suctioned out. It is illegal to kill someone by having the baby's head delivered first and cutting their brain out, which yeah. is what yeah. they did possibly to this child. So yeah. anyway, that all being said, kind of getting a little bit off track, but the point being, first of all, these children are worthy of being grieved, of being noticed, of being seen and, and um, for us to care about their suffering. But then to respond to the secondary part of this, just, you know, if you would only promote contraception, abortion wouldn't even be an issue. If we look at this historically, if you have joined us for any part of the contraception pod previously, we've talked pretty um, at quite a length about the history of birth control and abortion. Yeah. Remember that historically in the United States of America in the last 100 years, first came contraception, then came abortion. Because with contraception came a change of thought on family, sexuality, marriage, me relationships between men and women, mm -hmm. and also just the level of casualness and 
thoughts that sex was for entertainment and for fun and pleasure, rather than seeing that as a beautiful part of marriage that's meant to be bonding and unifying, it then became cheapened and for entertainment and pornography, which is vile in the eyes of God. So when people say like, oh, just promote contraception, a lot of times people who are using contraception have the mindset, I'm going to have sex. And I for sure am not going to get pregnant because I expect my contraceptive method to work. But then what? And I was just going to point out something someone said in my comments was like, oh, well, abortion is a form of contraception. And it's like, "Mm," like that, that's what that that leads up to is well the condom doesn't work and 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 something in my in my comments that just stunned me it was like wow people like don't don't get it they're like well most of the children in our world come from unexpected pregnancies and i Mm -hmm. like unintended unexpected and i'm sitting there like well okay now look at the comment above you okay if we're going to say most of our children come from unexpected pregnancies and then we're saying that contraception would solve abortion Mm -hmm. Well, let's think about that for a a second. If you have this mentality of, well, I'm not going to have a child. And like Cassidy said, this child was probably aborted because of an unexpected circumstance. Now, we are not assuming what that circumstance can be. For all we know, that woman could have been raped, you know, and we're going to be getting into that, that in a second. But we don't know her story. Sure. We don't know her story, but we do know the story of that child. And we know that the child was mercilessly killed. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's just, that's what we have to understand is that this country with a contraceptive mentality, we will never get rid of abortion because I was reading this morning, I was reading this morning, this really old document that came out when Humana Vitae was written, just kind of Uh, trying to understand humana vitae and they said the same contraceptive mentality is the same mentality that people use to justify suicide assisted suicide and euthanasia and Mm -hmm. that just that just hit me so powerfully and i'm trying to find the quote right now but uh it says here um it says um that von hildebrand um i think it's i don't it's like Dietrich von Hildebrand. He says that it is a basic denial of the quote religio of our being bound to God. It is a disrespect for the mysteries of God's creation, which increases in its sinfulness, the higher uh, the rank of the mystery in question. It is the same sinfulness which lead, which lies in suicide or in euthanasia, and both of which we act as if we are masters of life. It is the same irreverence which ignores the indissolubility of marriage and in which marriage marriages are contracted and ended as one would change gloves and what was just so powerful about this document was that distinction of masters of life and stewards of life and this is what the document was talking about and i think this is something that cassidy and i have touched on is we have we are called to be stewards that is you know god gave that to man when he was on you know when god in the beginning in genesis you know to be stewards of life to be stewards of creation of god's mystery of creation but we were not called to be masters god you know god is the master right of life we're not called to decide when we end or when we give life right or when we end or you know when we end life right and we cannot give life without God. And so that was just so beautiful is that, you know, 
we're told that contraception is a way to be stewards of our fertility or to be stewards of life. But no, it contraception is this is this man-made thing to so that we can seek power, so that we can seek, so that we can seek um to be masters of life. But yet, in the same way that we see throughout history, we can never fully be masters of life. So guess what happens? Well contraception doesn't work and then well we still are seeking power and this is the issue we see with why i was just reading this article on the statistics of why men rape people right or why people you know not always just men but for the most part it is it's because they seek power right and and it's just and it's just this this power that we have to this 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 power and to be like god right and that's what Genesis, that's what the serpent said is, do you want to be like God, right? Adam, you know, and that's why Eve took that fruit, right? Because she wanted to be like God. And, and that's what we have to, that's what, when it comes to contraception, this discussion we have to have is, are we seeking to be masters of life or stewards of life? And, and that's, and what we're going to get to, into in a second, which I know I've been saying, that is a distinction between NFP and contraception and why contraception is not, why NFP, why contraception is not, you know, on the same level as NFP and why NFP can be used and, you know, why the church teaches that. But it's just, you know, the more condoms you give out at school, the more people are going to have sex, the more unexpected quote you know quote unquote pregnancies that we're going to have you know that is the issue here is that we have taken sex away from parenthood right and this is what Cassidy and I talked about in the previous episode is instead of asking do you consent to having sex with me you ask do you consent to parenthood with me because that is you know that that is something that could you know that can be a fruit of the sexual act, right? And um, yeah, and I just, sorry, I wanted to point that out because it's just, it's just this whole mindset change of, of control and trust in God, right? And, um, and that's ultimately what I have to say when I get all these comments and all these people saying, well, you should be promoting and giving out contraception and making it more accessible. My first thing is birth control is pretty darn accessible. If you tell, if you tell you, if, if, if I'm looking at our world, it's pretty darn accessible, you know? Um, so like, I feel like people telling me, I, you know, oh, it needs to be more accessible. Like, look at what has happened that as contraception has become more accessible, right? I mean, how many abortions were happening before the 19, um, before the 19, 50s you know before the whole sexual revolution or before it was even legalized before contraception came about it was very very little but it began increasing when the contraceptive mentality came out i think it was like 3500 in the world every year now compare that to to what we have you know what we have now and those 3500 were probably the people who were using illegal forms of contraception too i mean i'm you know and you know that's an assumption i make and i want to point this out y'all we will be having a more credible um, professor that will be coming on with us in a few weeks who will be talking about the statistics, like the logical um, and the data, the logical, I don't know what the word is, um, but the data behind um, contraception going up 
with um, contraception going up, well, no, abortion going up with contraception. My words are not here, not flowing today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Yep. We're hoping to have a guest soon who has done really important research talking about how that what reduces abortion has never been contraception. There are other things that can reduce abortion, obviously. Things like having an accurate understanding of sexuality, understanding this could lead to parenthood, um, taking romantic relationships very seriously, and understanding this is not just a thing for fun or for a fling. This is, you know, we're talking about considering lifelong commitment and people who are guarding their sexuality in their romantic relationships and you're dating, you're choosing not to have sex with them until you have married them. Things like that reduce abortion because we're recognizing that. Sexuality is a powerful gift from God. It's not this super little casual thing you do when you need a little fun. You understand that sexuality- It's not a dopamine hit. (laughs) Exactly. If that's all it is to you, like you're not understanding that the way God created sexuality to be. It is not a bad thing that God created the connection between sexuality and having a child, but that's what this culture has made it. And I think that's really what inspired that individual on Twitter, not the angry one, but this other one, I want to read this little conversation Maya was having on Twitter. And I want to respond to it because someone in out there in the Twitterverse is believing that they are basically worthless and unwanted because they've been told they were an accident. And we need to talk about that perspective that just because my parents may not have planned to conceive me, does that make me completely worthless as a human person? We need to ask that because this poor person is wondering. So in this conversation on Twitter, Maya stated, the use of condoms only increases abortions. Condoms aren't always successful. And so when people use condoms with the point of only having sex with the result, with no result of a baby, when they get pregnant, they abort the baby. Sex should not be separated from pregnancy. The user replied, yeah, that's not true. Most people that exist today are accidents. Both me and my sister were utterly unplanned. All my cousins, unplanned. Most of their kids, you guessed it, unplanned. Stop trying to control people. So we have to ask this question. Is any person ultimately unplanned if we are created by God? You know, your parents may not have anticipated conceiving you and giving birth to you and having you in the family. And I am calling out, you know, all parents, all possible future parents of the world. If you become unexpectedly pregnant, you know, there are people out there feeling very wounded because their parent always said, oh, you were just my surprise child. You're my accident child. And they potentially go on their whole life feeling like they are a mistake. Mm-hmm. Don't give your child that struggle with their identity. Maybe to you, this child was a surprise, but I want to remind you part of why you feel that way is because of contraception, Mm -hmm. because in our culture, if we're constantly separating sex from pregnancy and we're always making comments, especially in the Protestant church, like, oh, don't have kids too soon, or, oh, make sure you get to travel before you have kids and things that always giving the impression that having a child is going to ruin a stable adult life for two spouses you know, and then someone gets unexpectedly pregnant and they think this is a huge inconvenience. This is an inconvenience to my career. This is an inconvenience to our travel plan. This is an inconvenience to our finances. If you have that perspective that a child is just going to ruin your life, I'm just telling you that will show to your child. Yeah. And the answer isn't 
to contracept. The answer is not abortion. The answer is a change of our hearts and our perspectives and recognizing God is sovereign and that he is wise every time he chooses to give life. So what is true about the role of children in a family? Are they a burden? Are they unwanted? The book of Psalms describes children this particular way. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Psalm 127 verses three through five. Even when our parents do not recognize us, their children as a blessing, reward, or good thing. God never abandons his children. Take comfort in this verse if you're someone who's constantly being told you were an accident in your family. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Even if you feel that your parents were completely shocked to find out they were expecting you, even if they call you their oopsie and their accident, you are no mistake in the eyes of God. You were purposefully and intentionally made by him and purposefully given at the particular time you were conceived. Psalm 139 states, for you formed my inward parts. You did me together, excuse me, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Yeah, that, that is such a beautiful reflection to just know, even for people who parents, you know, might not have called them an accident or something, but when, you know, the world, you know, you know, tells you that you're not supposed to, you know, that or when you tell yourself that no one needs me, that I should have been born at a different time. And, and I think that's just such a, a mentality thing that our whole generation, our whole world needs to have. And I really believe that a lot of this stems from this mentality of contraception, right? That we can control life that, that for, you know, that I could have been born at a better time, right? No, but there is, you know, there's no better time for you to be here except right now, you know, you were born for such a time as this, you know, and Esther and Esther. And, and I think, and I want to use that to kind of segue into a lot of questions that we've been getting in comments in the Twitter was just the difference between NFP and contraception. One of our, one of our followers said, I think it's always interesting to talk about the moral differences of NFP and contraception. I think this is a perfect circumstance to do so because, and, and and I'll read a little bit from an anonymous person who sent in something about, um, about this as well, about NFP and contra uh, and contraception, but that is the distinction is that there were no accidents with nfp because you're a couple who is using it correctly this mindset should always be that they are open to life and i want to and, and, and someone who isn't you know I, it would see life like that was created as an accident and i'm going to read a little longer quotes here but i think they really sum up what Humana Vitae teaches on the difference between NFP and contraception. And 
So the attitude of the NFP couple, if it is morally correct, will be as follows, quote, we know that our bodies, though separately infertile, possess the awesome power of procreating another human life when they are joined in intercourse. Although the intercourse may be fully justified for reasons apart from procreation, and although these reasons may fully preoccupy our attention, that does not lessen the objective link that God has established between the marital act and procreation. Knowing that God himself himself might stir and call into being an immortal identity upon the occasion of our having intercourse, we will refrain from exercising our power when there is a likelihood of conception. We well in no way dare to unite sexually while simultaneously tampering with the process whereby God is called upon to stir and create. Such a respect and reverence we have for the process itself and the power we have of initiating it that we will refrain from its exercise when we have reason to avoid it with avoid its possible consequences. The attitude of the contraceptive couple and its ideal articulations will be as follows. Quote, we too know that the marital act has been joined by God to procreation, not that every such result in procreation, not that every such act results in procreation, but that ordinarily ever, every coming Sorry, every coming into being of a man has resulted from such acts. We are not, however, awed by this God will linked, at least not to the point of treating it as something sacred, never to be intersected by human acting. When we have valid reasons to avoid pregnancy, therefore, and valid reasons to join in sexual intercourse, we will sever the link between sex and procreation by using contraceptive instruments, techniques, unquote. So the two differences here is that one is that both. So kind of the what had led up to these two quotes is that they are both married couples right they both love each other and they both have valid reasons to abstain from having a child right whether that's like health reasons or whatever that valid reason is and so we're just assuming those three factors right here but the difference is that the contrast the the not the nfp couple is stating that they recognize the power that they have, the power that God has given them to conceive life through this act of love, right? And they, and I want to read another, another comment right here real fast. Basically these people, I don't know, these people had said that every time they have sex, they use quite different words that I was, they basically said with my assumption, every time they had sex, that they were just, that it, that it was wrong. And I never am saying that here, right? I, 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 sex is, yes, is, is, is a manifestation of love, right? It's you giving yourself sincerely to one another, which cannot be complete if you withhold if you were holding a part of yourself, if you're holding your fertility, right? And so in this quote, we see that they would not dare, they would not dare tamper with God and with God, with God, right? Or try to intersect with what God has given them. And, and they have a respect and reverence for the process itself and the power that they have, right? And so that, that, that's, that's the NFP couple, right? They are, they, they have, they are not, you know, um, what's the word? They're not trying to, um, use, you know, use these quote unquote power, right? This, this gift of life that they have to, um, and, and then just like separate, right? Um, and that's what the, the contraceptive couple says is they, 
have not, they do not recognize the power, the power and the, and the beautiful, um, and they're not awed by this God willed link and, and will sever the link between sex and procreation. And I think that's just, just a beautiful distinction to have here is that if we're assuming those three things are married, they love each other and they have valid reasons for not having a child that, that there's a difference, right. in trusting God and, 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 um, and just severing that link. And Cassidy, I know you have more that you would want to add into that too. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Maya. I appreciate that. See that that is important. Like whenever someone enters into sexuality, recognizing a child could come to be, and also that that would not be the worst thing that could happen to you. I I appreciate that quote sharing, like just to kind of give a different um, understanding to the listener of the two different mentalities that are at play there. You know, one mentality says like, you know, we are going to be intimate, but we are not having a child. So then what happens when you get pregnant in that case? Because remember that every form of contraception has a failure rate. So for example, we've talked a lot about condoms today. I was just um, looking through Instagram and found a story of a woman who did become unexpectedly pregnant. And you know how the condom broke? So like that happens to people, you know, people think I've heard people say condoms, the most effective form of contraception. I don't think that's accurate. Um, but you know, stuff like that, that does occur, you know, maybe you're using the pill and you missed one day and you got pregnant that could totally occur. If you're using these forms of contraception, you have the mindset you expect, where's your trust. You're trusting in your contraception to per quote unquote, protect you from pregnancy, which I think leads into the other mindset we talked about of my child's an accident. This is an oopsie. This is my condom, baby. Whoops. No child is an accident. And, you know, sexuality can lead to the conception of a brand new eternal soul who's going to live forever. That's not a bad thing. That's not something that's going to destroy your life. That's a gift. And so um, one thing, um, did you, so you were addressing the comment about um, the moral difference between NFP and, and contraception. So one thing I would say about this is that there are a lot of Protestants who actually say that there's no difference at all between NFP and contraception, just because both may intend to avoid conception. So Maya, what would you say to the Protestant who says, well, Maya, I hear what you're saying. I hear like, you know, NFP is not an abortifacient, which is very important. I'm glad it's not an abortifacient and NFP may not be the same effect as using a condom, but how do I come to view that as anything different from just say a barrier method or spermicide or whatever? What would you say? I mean, I think I would just, you know, today's good Friday when we're recording and I just want to, I just want to say, you know, what Christ said is he said, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I think that as Christians, if, you know, if you're Protestant, if you're Catholic, you know, we our goal is to give ourselves fully to Christ, right? Is to give ourselves fully to God. And Christ, and that requires us following what Christ, you know, has taught us, right? If we really seek to give ourselves fully to him. And he quite literally here says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And that I truly believe is the distinct difference between NFP and any form of contraception is that NFP 
is a stewardship, right? Whereas contraceptives is trying to be like God. Let's talk about that stewardship for a second. And I know we touched on this in another episode, but I was thinking about this more is we are called to be stewards, right? In our churches, let's say you're called to be a steward of your money, right? You know, and what does that in our churches look like? That looks like giving our money to God and he will bless us tenfold, right? That's what he promises us. If we, and as a Catholic, you know, we have this time of Lent, right? This time of Lent is 10% of our year, right? God calls us to give 10%, just 10%, right? And, you know, we should be giving right 100%, right? But what he's called, what we are called to to do with our money, right, is to give it to God, right? Being a steward of your money means two things. It means giving it to God and knowing how to use the rest of your money in a way that is responsible, right? Using it to live, to educate your children, to making sure you can pay the house bills, right? You know, there is a, um, there is, you know, irresponsibilities, some would say, and, you know, like, let me get, let me have, I have three children and let me give all of my money to the church. Right. And now you can't feed your children. Now you can't, you, now you can't, but now, but, but when you give that 10%, it's a perspective change of, I am giving my money to my children so that they can be for God, right? So that they can live lives for God, right? And when God says, you know, you know, when, when the church teaches, you know, to, um, that marriage is for the, is for the education and bringing up of children, right? Um, what there's, you know, that's a part of giving, you know, giving your life for your children, right? So there is a responsibility that I think parents should have, you know, with, you know, with their children, right? But, first has to be given to God, right? And that's what Humana Vitae, that's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches, is if there is a circumstance, if there is a circumstance where you cannot, you know, cannot, um, you really believe, you and your husband, or your husband and your wife, you and your spouse, believe that you should not have a child right now, because it would be irresponsible. It does not mean that we stop giving our sexuality to God. It does not mean that we, that we, um, that we sever, you know, that link of a fertility, right? It simply means that we sacrifice it, right? And, and I think that's just something that you have to think of when we think of stewardship, right? Is we are stewards of our fertility. And that does not mean that we, that we sever that, sever that act in the sex, that sever the, the means of fertility in the sexual act. It means that we find other ways, right? To love in that moment that we might be fertile and, and, and then we can still enter into that sexual act, but it's not with this idea of, oh, let, I, I, we're not, you know, it's not with this idea of there will be no child. It's God, we are still open to you giving us a child, right? And God, like with our money, God, we're still open to giving our, all of our money to you, but you guide us you, we trust you. Right. And so, um, my word, like, I'm not saying this, how I exactly like to say this, but basically it's, we give our, you know, we, um, we give the power back to God and he gives us, he gives us land. He gives us children. He gives us some, 
he gives us quite literally our fertility and he asks us to be stewards of it. But being stewards of something means first giving it to God and then, you know, you know, um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I would say. Um, I'm really, for the next episode, I will write up something that I'm, so I'm not just sitting here being like talking and letting a lot of words out, but to like sum it up in like two sentences or something, (laughs) that would be a dream. But, um, I think that's just the beauty of being a steward of your fertility is it first calls to recognizing that you are a steward. You're not a master. Right. And, um, what God has joined together, let no man put it asunder. Right. And, um, yeah. What would you say? I like that. Yeah. So stewardship starts with surrender. You would say. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you can't be a steward of anything unless it's first given to you. you mm-hmm. know? Right. So you recognize it didn't start with you. It started with God. God yeah. is the one who gave you your fertility. God gave you your body. God gave you your marriage. God gave you the gift of sexuality. It's all his yeah. and it's all to be used for his purposes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when you're given a gift, right. Christmas, if a child is given a gift and let's say they were given like a basketball hoop, you know, like a basketball and a basketball hoop. Right. And they were like, and then they got rid of the basketball. Right. Cause they're like, you know, like, you know, it, you know, <laughs> it's a bad example, but it's like, now they have nothing to play with. Right. They have no they have no, you know, nothing to throw the, this is not a very good example, but like when you, when someone gives you a gift and then you destroy the gift or destroy the means for you to play with the gift. And now you're not thankful for the gift. It's like, whose fault was that? It was not, you know, it wasn't the person who gave you the gift's fault, right? It was the fact that you ruined the gift, right? You took away a necessary part of the gift and now you're ungrateful and now you're not happy. And now you want more and you want, you want more basketballs, but guess what? It, they already gave you it. And so now you got to go rescue, you know, it, it from the trash, you know? And yeah, it's, it's a really interesting. That, that is an interesting example because I do know of, you know, an individual who went into marriage, who's Protestant and decided to use contraception for a couple of years. And it was even writing to me when I was reading the book, does the birth control pill cause abortions by Randy Alcorn. I'd posted on social media and they had you know, responded to me like, well, you know, you're supposed to use multiple forms of contraception. Right. And I was like, I'm thinking in my head, well, I'm single, I'm a random single girl. You're writing to me, <laughs> but you know, um, I, and then that, what was so sad for that individual is when she came off of contraception, she was permanently infertile and will never be able to have a child. Yeah. You know, that was very sad. So, you know, when God gives us that gift of fertility, we expect, we have this wild idea in our culture that our fertility is like eternal. Like it'll never go away. It's this disease. I have to medicate. It's scary. It's freaky. Do you know how many women are afraid of pregnancy and parenthood? How many Christian women talk very negatively about that? Yeah. And I like how you said the word disease because it's seen as a disease because it's a mystery. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's this quote that says what is essentially a mystery, indeed one of the central mysteries of human existence, because there would be no human existence without fertility, has come to be treated more and more like a mere problem. The mystery of procreation is a part of man's metaphysical situation. And I think that's just so so key to our society right now is anything that's metaphysical we're trying to explain and trying and treating as a problem right you know and that's why we see just an epidemic of atheism and of this just this oh i can't believe you know like i can't believe in anything metaphysical because i can't explain it and that's sometimes a beauty 
of who we are as humans, right? Is we, yes, we are seeking to know God, but that's a beauty of faith is that we might not be able to understand this metaphysical situation, but it doesn't mean that we treat it as a mere problem that needs to be solved, as a mere disease that we can pop a pill and, 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 and we are being led by fear. Fear, not of the Lord, but of, but of really, of the fear of not having power, right? The fear of not being able to control how many children I have. The fear of, of, the fear of letting go, really, right? We are afraid of letting go and letting God. And I never understood that as a child, why people would have bumper stickers that said, let go, let God. Like, I was like, first of all, grammar, um, that makes no sense. But as I've grown older, I realized that that is one of the most beautiful things is that we may not ever be able to understand man's metaphysical situation, but it doesn't mean that number one, it doesn't exist. And number two, that it is, that is a mere problem. And, and what I was reading, it was really key. What I really liked about um, something I was reading was that they were talking about how we are, it is an irreverent tampering with something that is literally sacred because it can give life right it is so your sexuality is so sacred and it's sacred because it's of god it is not it it's it's sacred because it's god's right you know and we are it is like it's like a king you know in all the fairy tales the king has this beautiful you know this beautiful we like a beautiful princess right a beautiful daughter and he does everything he can to protect her he does everything and you know what's the most annoying would be the most horrible thing to him is if a man who had no respect for his daughter's dignity a man that treated her like trash that you know came and just it, it and this woman, for some reason, wanted to be with this man, right? And so he came and he took her away. And that is what we are doing when we're messing with sexuality is it isn't is we are treating the king, we're treating our God as if he is nothing, as if he's irreverent, right? We're being irreverent to him. And this article talked about like, this is, and that's why it linked it to the same sin as euthanasia as the same sin as, you know, assisting someone with suicide is because we don't understand the beauty of our bodies. But, you know, on this, you know, Good Friday, which is when we're recording, you know, it's so important that God, that Christ came down bodily, not that he came down, you know, as God, not that, you know, as this, as a spirit or as an angel, he came down bodily to sacrifice his body for the good of mankind and and our bodies are sacred if we don't understand the sacredness of our bodies and i know we'll be getting into what it means why we're saying our bodies are sacred in another episode if we don't understand that then we will continue to just treat god as if this beautiful body that he has given us this beautiful soul and body that he's given us together is irrelevant is is irrelevant to you know us then we will it's that contraceptive mentality of my body 
my the sexuality that God has not given me is so unimportant. This and and so now not only are we treating ourselves as unimportant, now we're treating the other person as unimportant, and then next we're treating the baby as unimportant, right? Our bodies as unimportant, and I think um I guess we should we've been talking, it's like a Q&A episode where we just been kind of talking a lot. Um, but I just want to, yeah, I'll read another one, another, um, one will kind of, guess, go through these faster. Um, someone says like, why should your opinions on sex matter to anyone else? You want to take this one, Cassie? Sure. Well, I'm going to start with something that's important to Maya and I both. We are not more relativists. We believe in absolute truth. We believe that there is truth that is real beyond our feelings and experiences. We believe that truth is more than mere scientific discoveries or beyond just human philosophies. We are Christians first and foremost. So we believe that God is, he is himself truth and he gets to define what is right and wrong. And even if the culture is completely defiant of that, it's still true. So what God's word teaches about sexuality, that God created sex to be enjoyed within the context of one man and one woman being committed to each other for life in the covenant of marriage. That is not our opinion. That is eternal truth that we can, that you know, affects when the body we, of Christ. What's that? That affects the whole of the body of Christ. Yeah. Right. This is for every person. God created truth for everyone. And we are meant to conform ourselves to God and to his truth rather than saying, hey, God, you know, I just don't like what you're saying over there. So can you just adapt yourself to us? God never changes. God is completely changeless. And so why should you listen to our thoughts on sex? Well, in all honesty, you could just disregard all of our thoughts on sex. At the end of the day, the only ones that you need to listen to are what scripture teaches about sex. And without God's word, we have no guidance. So it's really hard to answer this question because I'm like, well, maybe you don't want to listen to us. Turn off the podcast. What can we do? I mean, we yeah. can't force it. And, and, and a huge part for both of us is that we believe that until you get rid, rid of contraception, you won't get rid of abortion. And um, um, it's a big part and why abortion or why abortion is here. Um, it's that contraceptive mentality. And both of us have fought hard to, you know, end abortion. And um, it's not going to end until we also get rid of contraception. And we both believe that fully because it's that idea of the body, the human person, meaningless, can be the same as an animal, right? Or if not, you know, less than an animal, you know, to some people. The next one is any industry relying on or seeking to rely on fetal parts will more than appreciate your anti-contraceptive activism. I wonder how many abortions will happen before it's managed to completely ban them, if that ever even happens. The wealthiest power class wants less humans. What an odd statement. The people that are harvesting the bodies of children, which by the way, is happening. Thank you to the most likely pro-abortion person who commented this on Twitter to us. This is happening. You know, in California, they are harvesting the bodies of children who are being aborted, you know, and in other places in our nation, this is currently occurring. This is very concerning. And 
who is giving up their child to be sacrificed essentially to the abortion industry so they can go sell that child to places like um, advanced bioscience resources and places like UCSF that are, are actively experimenting on the bodies of children. That's women who are agreeing to have an abortion, right? So mm-hmm. not all women who have an abortion know that the body of their baby could be sent off to a lab to experiment for the development of medications and medical devices, but it could. So, you know, if you're telling us that by being against contraception, we are increasing that we are the ones protesting that actually, you know, I, this year in November, I was just in California protesting outside of advanced bioscience resources to tell them that it is absolutely unacceptable to sell the brains of children. Why are we in a society that is even talking about that? You know, why why do we even need to address that you cannot sell someone's body parts in part because we have them (laughs) and kill them. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, you destroy the child's life and then sell their body. Like it's so vile. You know, one of the reasons that this can happen is because people are going into sexuality with the idea, like I'm going to have sex and I'm not going to have a child. Then they get pregnant, contraception fails, they're pregnant, they walk into Planned Parenthood. Hey, Planned Parenthood, I really wasn't expecting this and I think I'm pregnant. Planned Parenthood nurse practitioner says, oh, don't worry. You're only, you know, 12 weeks along. It's not a human yet. It doesn't even have a brain. Wrong, by the way. They're going to sell the brain. And they, you know, abort this poor child. This mother is left with some possibly physical ramifications. Some women, um, can have their uteruses punctured during an abortion or can have cervical lacerations, um, you know, and have mental health ramifications like anxiety, depression, PTSD. That is what the abortion industry is doing to women. The abortion industry, they are the ones. Planned Parenthood is the one out there saying, oh, hey, you're 13 years old and you haven't had sex yet. Would you like a condom? Go have sex. It's fine. That is what is in our schools. You know, all of us as women, we need to hear that. And we need to have our antenna go up. We need to be thinking about protecting our future children from Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers, sex education, trying to get our children to have sex before they're even out of middle school. Unacceptable. No, my child needs to be a child. They need to enjoy growing up and they do not need to be having sex to have a good life when they're 13. That's crazy. But one of the reasons why you know, this fetal body part experimentation and selling is happening is because preborn humans are being devalued. If we believe that sexuality is an important and valuable thing, and we remember and recognize and understand, even if you're using contraception, your contraception could fail and you could get pregnant. If we have the understanding that life could come at any time from having sex, that will change uh, how often abortions occur because if we recognize that there is a connection between sexuality and conception and of birth and of children coming, that is going to help us to be a whole lot more prepared to be welcoming to life rather than to being hostile to life or even just to being completely afraid of it. Yeah. So this person accusing us as pro-lifers of being the reason why human beings have their body parts trafficked, you pro-abortion individual. You are the reason that this is happening. Maybe not you in particular, but your movement, the pro-abortion movement is why pre-born children are being cut up, tossed into biohazard canisters, or 
They're being delivered in certain ways to harvest certain organs. Yeah. That is the, the pro-abortion movement. Hey, children have no value. Sex really has no value either. It's just cheap. Do whatever and have an abortion, have some birth control, do whatever you want. Does not matter. Don't worry. We'll give you your, your abortion. It'll be quote unquote affordable. Little did you know they're selling your baby's body. This all goes together. This cheapening of sex, cheapening of our family relationships. We don't value the life of our child. Yep. Don't value our bodies. Yeah. And and the next question that we had is, so I, I had said, one of my tweets, a child is a manifestation of love. And someone said, quote, a child is a manifestation of love, unquote, ever heard of rape or incest or as a right wing nut? Is that your definition of love? Are you that brainwashed or just a psycho? And I want to respond to this by saying, by bringing the, uh, bringing up a couple of things. First of all, we are stewards of love quite literally. And rape is an awful thing. It is an awful thing. And I have talked with, I have worked with many women who are rape victims. I know many personally, and it's an awful epidemic in our world. And the first thing I have to say is a woman through a terrible, terrible circumstance is given an opportunity to love. And that child is it still a manifestation of her love? Her choosing to keep that child is a manifestation of her love. Her choice to sacrifice her body to her child is a manifestation of love. And she has that choice. And abortion is never an answer to rape. You know, it's, People, people always say, well, what about in cases of rape? Abortion never will help that woman. Abortion mm-hmm. will never help that child. Abortion will never fill. The, uh, abortion, the child is not the enemy. A child is a victim of rape too. And so saying that that woman, giving that woman the opportunity, the option to kill her child is not giving the woman an option to love. And so I will still stand on that, that it may not be a manifestation of the man's love, but it is a manifestation of the woman's. And she still has that choice. It's so sad in the case of rape, because this is what's always used as the justification for basically all abortions. Actually, what's you know, according to the Guttmacher Institute, Planned Parenthood's research arm, 1% of all abortions are from the case of rape and 0.5% of all abortions are from incest. So this is actually 1.5% of all abortions have to do with the case of rape or incest. Literally all the other types of abortion are for other reasons that are unrelated to those. So it's, but even that 1.5% of rape and incest, you know, we have to remember we're talking about a human person. Think about your best friend. Think about a classmate you enjoy. Think about a coworker you like hanging out with. You know, have you ever consulted their value on the grounds of the circumstances of their conception? Yeah. No, right? You never thought, oh, well, you know, I know that their parents love each other. Therefore, I can value them too as a human person. You have no idea how they were conceived. I'm sure of it unless they told you, right? And so why is it in the case of the preborn child conceived in the case of rape? We say, oh, you're automatically worthless. You're automatically, you should be poisoned, starved. You should be dismembered. You should be thrown away 
and you should have no chance to survive. I think of the powerful story of a woman who lives not far from where I am here in Michigan named Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived in the case of rape. Um, I can't remember the exact year she was born. I think it might've been 1972. 73 was when Roe was decided. So she said the abortion ban in the state of Michigan is the only reason she's alive today. Her mother did attempt to have um, a back alley abortion, I think two different times and got too scared and didn't do it. But Rebecca was conceived through rape mm-hmm. and she has a whole organization called save the one, which I urge you to look up. It's so important for us to protect this 1% of children. Cause they're still valuable people. Yeah. You know, is Rebecca not supposed to be here just because of the circumstances of her conception, which were so awful and terrible. The trauma her mother went through was just horrific and unimaginable. We can have so much compassion for women who have experienced the absolute barbaric horror of being sexually assaulted. There is something beyond the normal level of, you know, there's so much bad and awful and horrible out there in the world, but rape is one of the most disgusting things in our entire world. The idea that a man would use the body of a woman against her own wishes to gratify his own sexual desires is so disgusting. It's so dishonoring to God. I can't imagine how much that grieves God's heart to see a poor, precious woman being severely harmed by a man for his own ends. Do you know what we should be thinking when we hear about cases like that? We almost always, our culture immediately says, destroy the child, destroy the child. That's the first thing they say. Why? The first thing you should be saying is prosecute the rapist. Yeah. Why are we, you know, it's almost like we're in some ways giving that rapist more space. Like, oh, you know, that was terrible. You did that, but let's kill the child. Why yeah. is that always what we jump to? We need yeah. to prosecute the rapist to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah. Men who sexually assault women need to go to jail. Yeah. Preborn children who are the result of assault are still human lives. They're precious. Yeah. They're and mothers. I- Yeah. And I think just, and it's also the community around that woman. It's an opportunity for you to choose to love that child too, you know? Um, and that's a circumstance that rape gives each person in the community an option to, you can tell the woman you can get an abortion, but you're not choosing to love that child, right? You're not choosing to love that woman and you can be a part of that child being a manifestation of love by being with that woman, by, by, loving the woman and the child. And I think that is just, and it's just, it's this whole mentality and we've seen rape go up significantly too. And, and it's this mentality of, of your body has no meaning, right? Your body can be used, right? And it's this mentality that has just been thrown into our men through pornography, through just this through contraception really. And, you know, I, I hate to say that I hate to just be like, oh, there's, you know, you know, rape. And then, you know, and then, oh, it's caught, you know, obviously there are other things that cause that, but there is this mentality of your body is something for me to use. It's not something for me to love. And I, um, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it is such an awful thing. Um, Next, someone had asked, like, you think all conservatives regarding government and politics are Christian? There are transgender conservatives, pagan conservatives, Buddhist conservatives, ETC, sorry, et cetera, et cetera. But when your mind insists upon categorizing people according to narratives, there's a lot you're going to miss. What this person is saying here was basically that I cannot categorize people by their sexuality, sexuality, because people believe different things about their sexuality based on their Christianity. And what I just have to say here 
is that sexuality does not change. No matter what religion you are, your sexuality does not change. The value in my eyes, whether or not you're Christian or Buddhist or your value as a human person, you know, you might believe that because of the religion you are in, or maybe you're Muslim or something, you believe that the, you know, the, I don't know. Right. But my perspective is that your, that each body, that your sexuality is unique and that it's perfect and that it's beautiful and God created you that way. And so it does not matter to me, right. That, that you might believe something else because I want you to know that love and that, and the value that you are. And I, and we're just trying to go through the rest of these. Um, so this person said, married women have abortions, something you have the intellectual capacity. Oh yeah. Basically blank. You have the intellectual capacity of a 10 year old rape also creates as pregnancy as just sperm meeting over love has nothing to do with it. We already addressed that one. We're going to keep going. Um, this person said, do you even believe that God is in control? Anything such everything that happens is being allowed by God. What power is there greater than God? Do you think God wants you to work to stop contraceptives? Really? Yeah. Can I add the beginning? So he had like this beginning part. He said to abortion stems from sex without using birth control. If birth control is used, unwanted pregnancies decrease substantially. Colorado proved this after a free birth control program was established. You will never get anywhere trying to stop sex. It will fail before you even begin. Do you even believe God is in control? Blah, blah, blah. He goes on to that same tangent, but okay. How odd, how interesting that first of all, if you're trying to stop sex, we have that is not the point of this podcast. <laughs> if Ever. anything, we're here to encourage you to live out sexuality in a way that glorifies God. Yeah. We're not here to stop sex. Of course, if you are having sex outside of marriage, we urge you to stop immediately and to because you're missing the beauty of the sexual act, right? And and we're encouraging you to to experience intercourse experience love experience sex at its fullness never are we saying oh sex is a bad thing no sex is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and uh and yeah <laughs> this whole rest of the quote is so nutty he's i'm so sorry i don't mean to be rude to this person who if they're listening which they're probably not because they're just being a hater on twitter but anyway um do you even believe in a god that's in control anything everything that happens is being allowed by god what power is there that's greater than god do you think god wants you to stop contraceptives really okay i'm going to just start off by making an example there are evil things that happen in our world i'm not going to start by talking about contraception i'm talking about murder i'm talking about human trafficking i am talking about abortion those are all evil things that grieve the heart of god they are wrong so if we take the same perspective you have you know, it will fail before you even begin. Do you even believe God is in control? Everything and anything is allowed by God. God is sovereign over all of it. God is in control. He's faithful. He's good. But guess what? God's heart still goes out to the girl who's in human trafficking against her will. That girl who's crying and alone and abused and needs to be rescued. What are you going to say to that, you know, Mr. Twitter? Are you going to say, well, God is in control. So forget it. I'm not going to do anything for the girl in human trafficking. What about that baby? Yeah. And I think, you know, God did give us free will and he gave us also the opportunity to, yeah, to give ourselves, to save other, you know, to save people in these situations. And, um, 
and yeah i mean i think you know i truly believe that god yes god is in control and he gave us free will and it, and you know it's like saying at the garden of eden like oh well god was in control you know he wouldn't let you know it's a whole like bad things happen to you know why do bad things happen to good people and oftentimes it's to call us as a society higher right our our circumstances are so bad and, and but it's an opportunity that god is giving us to gift ourselves to others right he is calling us to enter into this painful suffering of having to endure you know like having to you know whatever you're enduring but you know for us like having to you know surrender what we would rather people think about us and talk about contraception right and and urge people to change a society where men, where, where we have human trafficking, where we have abortion, right? And yeah, and I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's all good. And the truth is too, there are no good people. Jesus was spoken to in the gospels and, and someone said, call Jesus good. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? God alone is good. All of us, you know, Jesus is perfect. However, every single human being, all of us, who are not Jesus, we are fallen and we have fallen toward the glory of God. We are not good people. And apart from God, there is no good in us, you know? So we need Christ. We need him to come and to drive out sin in us and to bring the fruit of the spirit in our lives that only he can work, you know? And so when we hear these arguments like, oh, well, you know, God's in control. So therefore don't fight injustice. Are you kidding? What do you think about William Wilberforce? Do you think, oh man, wow, he just really went against what God wanted him to do because he fought against the slave trade. No, I believe that William Wilberforce was acting out of a love God gave him for people who were broken, right? And for people who were being uh, just unjustly oppressed. That was so wrong. It tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. It doesn't say sit home you know, um, just throw up your hands and be like, well, too bad that's happening because I know God is in control. God is in control. And in the midst of that, he has brought Christians to exist in this particular point of history. And he's asking us to join him on, on whatever mission he's calling you to do. Maybe he's calling you to fight the evil of human trafficking. Maybe he's calling you to fight the evil of abortion. And maybe he's calling you to address the challenging and extremely controversial topic of contraception. Are we willing to rise in God's strength to whatever God wants to put in front of us? Maybe we're going to see some unbelievable horror that the idea of 63.5 million abortions occurring or 2,363 abortions daily. That is absolutely overwhelming to think about, but yeah. I do not believe it is the will of God for us to sit down and go, well, too bad that's happening. So much evil out there, so much bad. We're going to do nothing. No, we're going to stand up and we're going to say, my God is more powerful than all of this evil. My God is more powerful than the enemy who loves murder. And I am going to stand up. And I'm going to fight for these children. Yeah, and if yeah. Maya and I believe that there, that sex is a sacred act and that contraception is harmful to our society, we're going to speak up about that, even though we're going to get haters. Yeah. We understand that we have haters who are unbelievers, who are Christians, who are Catholic, uh, who are Protestants, all the above. And we are willing to speak to this issue. We believe it's important and we are not afraid. Do you yeah, think God yeah. wants you to stop contraceptives? He says, well, you know, for 1800 years, it was the consensus of the Christian church that contraception is wrong. It is only in the past 100 years that that conclusion has changed. So. You know, we and are we've also seen society go whoop. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sexual revolution. We just yeah. talked about in a previous episode and how that's hurt our society. You know, when we stand against contraception, we might stand against people like this person on Twitter who wants to tell us that we're just crazy basically. But do you know who we stand with? We're standing with Martin Luther. We are standing with John Calvin. We are standing with um, Tertullian. So many early church leaders were standing with John Wesley. We are not alone in this position. And also, even if we were, we believe God has called us to address this topic and we are not afraid. Yeah, exactly. And I I think we're going to finish off at that point, but I think just just pray, just ask yourself, what value do I see in human life? What does the body mean to me? I'd encourage you take some time, read some of the Bible, talk about when the body is mentioned, see the value that the body plays. Ask yourself, why did God give me a body? Why is it important? Is my, does my body mean nothing? Does my soul mean nothing? Think about the what your sexuality means to you. Think about what it means to other people and think about what it means to God. And in the next episode, we're going to be going over some stories that women have sent us, um, longer stories that women have sent us, longer questions about issues women have had with NFP. We're going to be getting into those in another, in another episode just to bring you guys some testimonies to how NFP may be worked for some people and how people have thought, you know, have, um, have concerns about it and also how contraception has hurt women and, um, the hurt women. And maybe we might even have some of women who are on it and, you know, have a story regarding it. So we're going to be bringing those up in the next one. And to our listener who had sent in some, uh, who had sent in a, um, question about the link or an article about the link between contraception and socialism. We will be spending a whole episode talking about that one as well. But I just want to thank you guys again for listening and just seeing our following grow has been really encouraging to us. And I'd encourage you, you know, think about it, you know, really have some discussions about it. Talk to someone you're close to about it. And just Really, you know, I want you to think about why was it so important that Christ came down bodily from heaven? And um, and on that note, I think we're going to say adios. And um, but yeah, just just think on that. We'll be doing a whole episode with my mom, which is really exciting. We'll be doing a whole episode on um, on the difference between NFP and birth control. And I'm really excited to share my mom's story with you all and her perspective on these things, but yeah, sit tight, you know, thank you for walking with us through every, um, through every, uh, you know, because we are, you know, we are figuring this out too. We're in no means experts, but we're reading up on it. We're spending time delving into the word about it, delving into just so much on it. And we want to hear your perspectives. We want to hear your story. Um, if you have a story you want us to share in the next episode, please send it in to us in the next, uh, in the next week. Um, it won't be on the next episode that comes out because we will be recording that way before this one even comes out, but we will do another one sharing your story, or even if you know someone's story and you would like for them, you know, ask them if you can share it. We'd love to hear it as well. Thank you all for listening. And I hope you have a blessed Easter time.